Hey, welcome back to Real Queers, everyone. That's right, the podcast finally has a title. Welcome to the future, but more news later. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, today, it is your usual cast, myself and Mandy. Um, and we are starting yet another series with this episode. This is going to be the first of our musicals series. Now, there's going to be something a little bit different with this series, um, because Mandy and I are both extreme musical nerds. That's one of the first things that we bonded over. Um, as such, there's going to be a couple of different formats within the series. Uh, the first one will be sing-alongs, or I guess technically the first one will be technicals, uh, which are not going to be terribly different from what you're used to so far. Um, there will be, you know, a little bit more of, like, the actual movie interspersed within, um, as we sing along and dork around with the movie, but there is also going to be a sing-alongs format, uh, for the movies that we really just cannot help ourselves with and, um, go full dork on. So, uh, the sing-alongs one, uh, is going to mostly feature us singing along, dancing along with the movie. It's not going to have a whole bunch of technical aspects like you're used to. Um, it's just going to be fun. <laughs> mainly because those movies we enjoy and dork out way too much to take off our rose-tinted glasses and get into the technical aspects. And then with the technicals, um, it, it either the uh, we're not as familiar with the movies and so we're able to get into those technical aspects, or um, the movie is a little too serious or a little too slow for those crazy fun times. Um, and, and of course there will be, you know, some in between here and there. We'll play around with it a little bit, but it's... Yeah. Basically, we're going to have fun with the ones we're really comfortable and knowledgeable on, and the ones that we're not as familiar with, we're, we're going to do more of the normal podcast. Pretty much, yeah. It's going to be fun. I can't wait. Oh, it's going to be fun. Neither can I. <laughs> we're dorks. It's okay. Um, yes. But for our first musical, the one we are covering today as part of our musical series and also a Christmas movie... Hell we yeah, are happy Christmas, Christmas, everyone. Or happy holidays, whatever. Yo. You know, um, for us. <laughs> um, today we are covering Anna and the Apocalypse, which was a movie released back in 2017. This is also a Scottish film, isn't it? Yes. It is also a Scottish film. And this was directed by John McPhail. McPhail? McPhail. Yes. I should have asked you first. <laughs> um, and this it's not was, a podcast if you don't flub a name. I flub all the names. I'm awful at it. <laughs> it's okay. Um, production studios for this particular movie were Blazing Griffin, Park House Pictures, and Creative Scotland. Yes. This was such um, a movie. Now, uh... This movie actually had seven wins and 12 nominations. Uh, none of them were at major um, major awards shows. 
except for Toronto After Dark Film Festival, which a lot of you listening and watching are probably not going to be familiar with, but it's really big for um, horror and uh, more adult indie films. It's not quite as big as the Toronto International Film Festival, but it is pretty close so far as... Um, you know, that, that kind of thing goes. Toronto, um, they did a little bit of a series of horror movies, didn't they? Like mm-hmm. the indie films? Yeah. I, yeah. Any horror nerd may at least recognize those. There's an After Dark film series like of just like really low-budget horror movies. Yeah, They're great. If I, think I, I remember I correctly, <laughs> yeah, if I remember correctly, the Toronto After Dark Film Festival started as a, uh, not a contest, but a challenge, and that's what those films are from. Uh, during editing, I'll go through and, and fact check this, um, and if we're wrong, then I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, at that film festival, they won Best Horror Film, Best Ensemble Cast, Best Comedy Film, and Best Music in a Film. Um, And after watching it, I understand why. It's actually really good. It is. It's insanely good. Kitten, you you cannot (laughs) have the wings leftovers. I know it smells delicious, but they are no good for you. I want to have a Twitch button where we do, like, pet the cat or something. Right? (laughs) Uh, so, Xander, uh, push the button, pet the cat. <laughs> petting cats. She is petted. Pet distraction gets- on the podcast. We love yeah. it. <laughs> um, so the budget for this film has not actually been published, um, which is a little really? weird. Yeah. I haven't been able to find it anywhere. Um, however, we can know that the opening weekend in the U.S. did $52,588, um, which is considerable since almost no one knew or knows still what this movie is. In fact, the only reason that we know about it is because I'm a weirdo who occasionally binges trailers on YouTube and has a 500 trailer playlist on YouTube that when I watch a movie, I take the trailer off. This movie was on that playlist. I told my dad and his roommate slash best friend, Stan, about it, and um, they went to see it, and then they were like, oh shit, if Xander finds out that we watched this without him and we did not take him for Christmas, he's going to stop talking to us. <laughs> so the very next, actually, I don't think it was even the next day, I think it was like 4 a.m. or something, they sent me a message and they were like, you're off tomorrow, right? And I was like, yeah. They were like, okay, we're watching Anna in the Apocalypse, and I was like, sweet, okay. They didn't tell me until after we watched that they had already watched it. <laughs> they just had to make up for the fact that they didn't take you. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Like, they, they really didn't expect much from the movie, which is why they watched it without me in the first place. But they enjoyed it well enough that not only were they willing to pay for me to go see it, but they watched it with me. Yeah. And then you've been so, trying to get me to watch it for, like, two years. Yeah. 
Two two years almost exactly because it came out on December second of twenty seventeen. And I watched it on December 3rd or 4th of 2017. So, yeah, a little bit over two years. But it's okay. You finally listened. I did. <laughs> so and, of course, the... I loved it. <laughs> you yes. were right. How I, often I am I wrong about movies that you're going to love? That's very true. I should listen. You should. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I like, I, 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 like, throughout the entire movie, like, I just, I kept sitting there, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is, this is Shaun of the Dead in musical form. This is Shaun of the Dead. Like, uh-huh. th- like to a T, this is Shaun of the Dead, and just, except it's high schoolers, and set during Christmas, and it's a musical, yeah. and it, 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 it's so good. It, it really it is. is. I mean, like, obviously not all the songs are great, but, like... It, yeah, like the a, the big picture. It's a it's Christmas a, zombie sh- musical. <laughs> it's so good. I love it. It is. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> so our ensemble cast, which is award winning, um, contains Ella Hunt, who plays the titular Anna, uh, Malcolm Cumming, who plays her best friend John, Sarah Swire, who plays Steph, uh, Christopher Laveau, who plays Chris, Marley Sue, who plays Lisa, uh, Ben Wiggins, who plays Nick, Mark Benton, who plays Tony, Anna's dad, and Paul Kay, who plays Arthur, the soon-to-be headmaster. Yeah. I, it's still, I still laugh about the fact that it took me, like, half the movie to figure out that he reminded me of Anderson from Sherlock. <laughs> And then I got, like, so excited, I, like, slapped the table. Well, what cracks me up is that I've been trying to figure out who, aside from the creepazoid in Moulin Rouge he made me think of, because I knew that wasn't it, but as soon as you said Anderson, I was like, yes. It, It wasn't early Anderson. It was later in Sherlock Anderson where he had the crazy hair and everything mm-hmm. like like after Sherlock's death. Sorry if that's a spoiler for anyone. <laughs> but, you know, and, and, and he just got the wild hair and like the things all over the walls. Like that's the Anderson he reminds me of. Yeah, because like, he's unhinged. He's unhinged. It, it, it bothered me and I couldn't place it for the life of me. And then it like hit me and it was just like that's who he reminds me of. That, so anybody who does go and watch this after watching this podcast, you're welcome. <laughs> but speaking of this movie, let, let's just let's start going over the actual movie itself a little bit. What? That's a thing we do. Well, we, we got a nerd. It's a musical. It's true. It's zombies. It's, yeah. it's horror, it's comedy, <laughs> it's a musical, it's a film. It hits all the buttons. It does. And it's actually fairly well done. Like, yeah. uh, for anybody curious, the, the general idea of this movie is basically a zombie apocalypse hits a small, sleepy town in Scotland at Christmas. 
It's high schooler Anna Shepard and a smattering of friends have to fight to survive and hopefully save their family along the way. Uh, it's a heartfelt Christmas coming of age set with the dual backdrop of zombie survival and musicality. Anna and the Apocalypse provides a fun but surprisingly insightful look at young love, the need to explore, and the importance of being yourself. Like, it, it, it's, it's a fun little romp. It's, it is. It, it's, it's Broadway. It's horror. It's 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 Shaun of the Dead in a musical form. It is wonderful. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Like so, even like the gore scenes and everything. Like it reminded mm-hmm. me one hundred percent of Shaun of the Dead. If you love Shaun oh, of yeah. the Dead, and you like musicals. Watch this. Do it. Do yourself Absolutely. a favor. Don't be me. Do it. <laughs> Listen to us. Do not be Mandy. Don't be discussing Christmas and musicals at the same time and be like, well, I guess we can finally watch Anna. Not salty at all. So You got me to watch it. It's done. (laughs) You actually got my first watch on record. (laughs) That's true. That's true. It, It... if anything I'm going to take from this, I will take the fact that I was able to immortalize your first watch of this fantastic film. We'll take it as a silver lining. There's a little silver lining. Yeah. So, the movie starts by introducing Anna, her dad, Tony, and John as they make their way to the school for the day. We learn right off the bat that Anna and her dad are quite at odds about her future, and that John's not entirely on board either. Uh, Once they reach the school, we meet Steph, who's on the phone trying to find a way to spend time with her girlfriend, uh, who's out of the country, and learn that she'll be completely alone for the holiday, because guess what? Her parents are also out of the country. In Mexico. in Mexico, yeah. So her girlfriend's in Canada. Yeah, her girlfriend's in Canada. Her parents are in Mexico. She's in Scotland. Um, shortly. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. And Steph is not Scottish. So, like, they left her alone in a town that she's not actually from. Great parenting. Top notch. Great, great, great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel for Steph this entire <laughs> film. This entire yeah, film. She I guess the short Steph. end of the stick the entire film. She does. Um, speaking of getting the short end of the stick, <laughs> almost immediately her car keys get taken by the nasty soon to be headmaster. Uh, because she parked next to the school in order to load it with the gifts that the students were donating to charity. Like... Come on, Crazy Anderson! Exactly. Come on, (laughs) Crazy Anderson. Uh, so this leads to the first major musical number, Breakaway.
get an interjected introduction to Chris, a talented filmster who lacks substance in his work. Uh, it is truly a masterpiece of teenage angst and impending senioritis. Yeah. 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 Uh, next we go in and we meet Lisa and the mishmash of a Christmas show we are introduced to with a few mishaps that could cause a good bit of bodily harm. <laughs> um, little, little bit, little bit, but strangely, it's the safest thing in the entire movie. I can't really argue with that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, zombies. Um, Nick uh flings food and asthmatic classmate and flubs his attempts at connecting with Anna from across the room, um, beginning his cementation as school asshole, which, God, he was. Like, yeah. yeah. Kids got some issues. And just an ass to begin with. No manners. Just rude as fuck. Yeah. School asshole in the minds of the viewers as both he and Anna enter the lunchroom. Here we learn that Lisa and Chris are a very PDA-friendly couple, like, um, full-on macking each other across the table. Oh, like, yeah. Where were those teachers? <laughs> Just saying. Nowhere. Exactly. Uh, and Anna and Nick have gotten together at least once. We do find that out. And Steph is awkwardly trying to recruit Chris to do a social piece with her since her article has been censored. Because evidently the school was censoring. I don't even remember what it was about. What was it about? Uh, so it was about the negative impact that the city council was having on the soup kitchen and its recipients. So they went and go, to go film at the uh, soup kitchen. That was mm -hmm. what it was. Right? Yeah. I knew I could count on you. <laughs> I don't know how many times I've watched this movie now. More than a dozen, I'm guessing. At least. At least. Anyway. Um, <laughs> this transitions into another musical number called Hollywood Ending, which is very Broadway-ish. Like, full-on, oh, like... Yeah. Dancing around the the cafeteria, everyone's involved, which we'll get into this later, but the choreography was wonderful. Oh yeah, I think that this one has the best choreography of all of the scenes, and because of that, we will put the uh, film excerpts for this musical number in the choreography section. We're gonna have to, he's like, it was yeah. really well done. Anyway, we're not to that part yet. <laughs> Um, next, then we go into the Christmas show being performed with some humorously incensed interjections by the soon-to-be headmaster, which you just kind of hate him the entire movie. 
like yeah he's an ass (laughs) he is already by this point actually no i don't i don't know that you had realized that there were zombies yet i don't think so not yet no like i think we started to see the first one like at the door or something and that was the only thing we had wasn't it yeah, it's it's hinted at the very end of this scene. Yeah. And then she like kind of passes the guy with like the bro like the busted up head. Uh-huh. That's the first hints we get. Yeah. Um but anyway, shows performed, headmaster's an ass. Uh Chris hasn't arrived at this point, which his girlfriend is performing in the show and she wanted him to be there. He wasn't there. Um and there's also some ominous hints at the movie's zombies making a nearby appearance at this point. Yeah. Um, so from there, it transitions to the bowling alley where Anna and John work. Um, as they finish up their shift, they accidentally concuss the janitor. Um, but save their heartfelt conversations about the future until they have reached a lightly snowed-upon playground. Um, The the next scene is where the movie really gets into its zombie backbone with the wonderfully juxtaposed next musical number, Turning My Life Around. Um, Which, this is the the musical number that really struck the chord on me that this is Shaun of the Dead. Because, like... Like, like when he has like his oblivious morning walk to work with everything going on around him, like this is exactly what it was. Like, yeah, it, it really is. It's Shaun of the Dead in musical form with high school. Oh yeah, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> they, the 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 makers of this film have said in a few different interviews that Shaun of the Dead is one of their um one of their favorite films, um, it's and it's the Shelley. producers of the short film that this is based on were directly referencing Shaun of the Dead at some points in that. Um, so it makes sense. Like, it's... There, there are clear and deliberate homages. Um, but really- anyway... Yeah, so in Turning My Life Around, uh, which is one of my favorite sequences in the film, uh, Anna and John are resplendently oblivious to all the mayhem, danger, and death around them. Um, and at the end of the song, they meet up in a graveyard and end up having to run back to the playground from the night before as they are chased uh, and subsequently defeat their first zombie via decapitation by Seesaw, which is just beautiful. It's beautiful. (laughs) It's so good. It's so good. It was such a great scene, and again, it was a great zombie kill. Like, this movie has everything you could want. It does. (laughs) It really does. Except for closure. But we'll get to that. Um, after a bit of... <laughs> after a bit of understandable existential crisis, they decide to head to the bowling alley, since they have the keys, uh, for shelter and a chance to figure out where to go from there. Because both home and the school are a bit too far for them to feel comfortable going alone. Yeah. Uh, and at this point, a smattering of people have holed up in the school where the soon-to-be headmaster, I keep wanting to interject that he's just the crazy Anderson. Like, he's just, 
he's an asshole and he's crazy. And he just yeah. gets progressively crazier. He doesn't deserve his own name um, because he's <laughs> that much of a dick. So it, it's fine. If you want to interject uh, Crazy Anderson instead of soon-to-be headmaster, that's fine. When I wrote <laughs> the, uh, the notes for this, I purposefully only use his name twice. So every time except for those two times, you can call him Crazy Anderson if you want. I don't care. Cool. Cool beans. I'm cool with that. <laughs> uh, where Crazy Anderson and Tony have a musical argument. Uh, what side are you on about whether they should try to find and save their missing children and family members? Which is, it's a very decent, like, intense, like, oh, circling yeah. around each other, like, saying fighting. It's, 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 it's good. I love it. It's fun. Yeah. What's wild um, is that this scene was cut from the theatrical release. So the first time that I saw this musical number was today. Well, yesterday. <laughs> so did, I mean, there was three versions of this, right? Which one did we watch? Did we watch the... Uh, we watched the special extended Blu-ray edition. So that was that the festival cut or the, the second longest cut? No, this was the longest cut. So this is the festival cut, the long one. Okay. Oh, good. Yay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, they have that musical number. At the end of the number, a loudspeaker declares that the armed forces will save everyone and they are to stay in lockdown. And uh, also at the same time, inside the bowling alley, Chris and Steph have been hiding all night after running from the soup kitchen. Uh, Steph is cautious. Chris is elated. The internet is surprisingly still up, kind of spotty, but I feel that's more on the router than the actual internet at that point. Because let's yeah. face it, are pretty self-sustaining to up to a certain point. <laughs> um, yeah, it's not so until the explosions that everything actually goes down. Yeah, and then there's all cell services and all that stuff. But anyway, at this point, the internet is still pretty up. Um, they're still like posting stuff and everything like that. Uh, so they check up on the news and social media. There are tons of morons taking selfies with the zombies. Like I, I think that's putting it nicely. It, 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 it's they're they're literally taking selfies with zombies in the pictures, like trying to kill them. It's like mm -hmm. <sighs> okay. Well, anyway, unfortunately, realistic. A little bit, yeah. Um, taking selfies with the zombies through fences and cages. Uh, the night goes long and harrowing, complete with zombie killing, and the next musical number, Human Voice, which coincidentally brought Xander through many a quarantine crisis. It's true. There, there have been a few days during this quarantine that, um, I just had that song on repeat for my own sanity. It's a good song. You should check it out. It's on Spotify. Let me again check out the movie. It's it's worth it. Just just stop listening to us right now and just just go watch it. Don't get the spoilers. For us. No more spoilers. <laughs> Pause. Go watch. Come back. Highly recommend. <laughs> anyway, uh, the human voice song. And next we go in the morning, uh, where they decide to use the blow up pool that the bowling alley inexplicably is using as a teensy ball pit as a protective vehicle or cover of sorts 
And that's where they run into Nick, the school asshole, and his goon. I mean, friends. Huh, yes. Who've been basically rioting and looting all night and zombie hunting. Which then leads next into the next musical number where Nick sings Soldier at War, which the guy has pretty good voice. It was a pretty great song. He does a really good job. Pretty good? Oh my <laughs> god, that man has a beautiful voice. Like, just the the range, his falsetto, oh. Yeah. It's almost disgusting how beautiful his voice is. About as disgustingly beautiful as him, like. Pretty much. Like, Pretty much. It, ben Wiggins, if, if you can just, like, you know, sing and never <laughs> talk as Nick. Anyway, he sings. And he basically proves himself capable of protecting the group. Like, he, he, he's full on singing and dancing and killing zombies. It's really impressive. It is. It's impressive, um, it's gory, it's asinine, but it's great. It's fun. It's good horror comedy fun. Like, yeah. would you guys go watch this. For Stop real. listening. Go watch this. <laughs> and as of December 10th of 2020, it is included for free on Amazon Prime. So, like... It's it's easily accessible for most people in 2020. So let's face it, how many of us do not have access to an Amazon Prime account at this point? So from there, they decide to stick as a team of sorts uh, and make their way to a small strip mall uh, and decide to take a shortcut through the Christmas tree warehouse. Not where Christmas trees are made, but where they are stored after being cut down. Just to be clear there. Uh, inside, Nick loses all of his goons, <coughs> friends, uh, as they transform into zombies. Not far from the exit, John is bitten and ends up sacrificing what little comfort he has left to ensure that Anna escapes safely. It is... A heart-wrenching scene, beautifully acted, but we'll talk more about that a little bit later. Uh, the remaining four children press on to the school where the soon-to-be headmaster has truly, truly come unhinged. He I was already... This is full, like, serial killer wall going... <laughs> He's completely lost it. Like... Just. You watch this and you're like, how? How was this man ever in charge of children? Yeah. How? There were some questionable decisions in his hiring. Yeah. Because yeah. he was questionable even before the zombie apocalypse. He was generally unlikable, but I mean, I guess he was uh, decent at his job. But once the zombie apocalypse hit, like, he unleashed. Yeah. He had a mental breakdown and, like, went full cray-cray. Yeah, I mean, he was essentially like a a no-magic AU version of Snape prior to the zombie apocalypse, and afterwards, um, yeah, I don't think there's an equivalent character. He just cray-cray, he snapped, and like, again, yeah. the zombie apocalypse is kind of understandable, but at the same time, it's just like... Dude, you're being a dick. Yeah. Uh, 
Um, and you see this because he's allowed the zombies into the school, um, much to his demented glee, uh, and he traps the kids in a room with the zombies as he sings, nothing's gonna stop me now. And let me tell you. I don't understand what they were gonna stop him from doing. Like, right, you yeah, like, it, the, the, whole, the whole point of that song is people have always told me I'm never going to be successful. Well, you know what? You're not going to stop me from success now. And it's like, what success? Yeah. What, <laughs> su- what, what, what are you succeeding here? in, what, Arthur? Um, this is probably not a goal you want to have, honey. Yeah. And um, my through the house. <laughs> he's a megalomaniac with control issues. And he's finally found a way to have the control that he desires. Sort of. Essentially. It's control over a very small portion of his school as literal zombies take over the rest of it. It's like literally less than 20 people. Yeah. Sad, strange little man. Yep. 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 No redemption for him whatsoever. Cannot be, will not be, is not. Um, And... In direct correlation with his personality, his voice is slimy and greasy and nasally and just makes you feel kind of gross. But yeah, the performance is generally the same, too. Yeah. Um, but Which, it by the fits. way, side note on that, the lighting in that song and, like, this, like the shots, again, we can talk about this later in the choreography and, like, the technical side, but, like... It was actually really well shot. They they totally oh, yeah. accomplished their what their goal was with his character. Yes. Yeah. Like, they they did a perfect job of showcasing who he is. Like if all you saw of him. Yeah, if you if all you saw of him ever was that song, that scene, you would know exactly who he is. As a person, you would. As a person. It's, yeah. It's it's a masterpiece. It's an uncomfortable masterpiece, but it's a masterpiece. <laughs> um, Anna finds a clever escape, and all four make it out of the room just in the nick of time and are able to block the zombies from following them. Uh, they agree to split up so that Steph can find her confiscated keys, Chris can find his girlfriend and grandmother, and Anna can find her dad. Nick has no one and nothing, so he just accompanies Anna. Yeah, they kind of have to briefly discuss that he kind of murdered his dad because his dad got bit. Yeah. And then you get to kind of see how shaken up he is about it before another horde of zombies comes in. Because he kind of like has his raw moment of like, I had to do this. My dad made me do this. And you kind of see, like, the relationship that he and his dad had, and you kind of understand him a little. hmm But, like, he has, a, like, a, a vulnerable moment, and it's actually... I, I, I like that. I like that. He had, like, a small redemption moment there, and it's like, mm-hmm. I get that I'm an asshole, but... I'm yeah, so it's like... You get a glimpse of the real Nick that's behind all of that toss toxic masculinity and machismo 
and it's it's great. I love it. It's beautiful. It's a, it's a good part of the character. I I like that they gave him that. Mm-hmm. Um, and also at this point, uh, Steph and Chris have gone off to collect to find and collect Lisa. Uh, though his grand didn't make it because she had heart problems and like her heart just kind of gave out on her. Like it was at least a natural death, I guess. Yeah. Better not than... a comfortable one, but <laughs> not zombie. Death, and then, you know, the whole zombie aspect of death. Yeah. Um, anyway. <laughs> um, and it's worth part. noting that in this film, if you're not bitten, you don't magically turn into a zombie. You it's not have like to be blood transmission or anything like that. It's purely you like I guess the bite has the effect. Yeah, the so. the bite has the effect and you cannot die before you finish turning or you will stay dead. And also worth also side noting, like Shaun of the Dead and most other zombie movies, these are the slow kind of zombies, not land of the dead, World War Z type. Yeah. So that that adds to it. They're they're the slow. You can run circles around them, kind of zombies. Yeah. Anyway, um, Grand didn't make it, and the three continue to make their way to the staff room where Steph Keys are held. Um, inside, a small group of ambling zombies. Uh, Steph makes her way to the room with little trouble, which was a blessing. Uh, keeping low to the ground and keeping quiet, slow movements. Like, she, like, creeps through the room. It, it's actually pretty impressive. It is. And again, like, sound was perfect for this because they kept it so low and all you heard was the zombies and, like, her breath and everything, so there was, like, no score going on. So it, like, adds to the thrill and intensity of her, like, trying to quietly navigate and make it safely through and it's like, it's a good scene. They want a lot of really good scenes. Yeah. Um, but a moan of terror when she realizes that among the confiscated items is a definitely used dildo alerts them to her presence. Yeah. I love it. Like, is it, yeah. It's, it's a definite. <laughs> I, I would have had that reaction too. I'm, oh, God. Yeah. I can't say that I would have been as vocal about it, but I definitely would have, like... I would have definitely done the drop and just kind of looked at it and, like, felt really gross. Yeah. And wished I had hand sanitizer. Oh, a hundred percent. Though, knowing Arthur, he's probably soaked it in hand sanitizer and bleach before putting it in his little cage. Do we know that? He's anal enough that I think we can. Yeah, he's. I guess he doesn't really strike me as the kink type. No. I feel like missionary is too kinky for him. (laughs) Sorry to my parents who are watching this. Uh, but yeah, so, outside the office, uh, Chris and Lisa realize that, one, 
Steph's gonna have a hard time getting back because the zombies know she's in there now. And two, there's a TV in the staff room that they can connect his phone to and play his showreel to hopefully distract the zombies and allow Steph to escape safely. However, because they're not exactly the brightest, um, they all day. And they've been filming all day, and for some reason, plugging in via USB does not have any kind of charging effect on the phone. Um, have it with him or something, or the, I guess he plugged it into the TV and it wasn't. It just didn't charge. Whatever. It yeah. Was. It the I guess the TV was old enough that it didn't have the capacity to play and charge at the same time. Whatever. Um, so. He starts playing it, um, Steph is almost out of the room, as soon as they try to leave their spot from behind the TV, uh, the low battery alert stops the video, breaks the zombies trance, uh, and they end up getting trapped and bitten. So just, Steph- I like them, they may have been like, simple, but they were just, they were lovable. They were pure. They were so pure. They were. They were, <laughs> they were a little too fond of PDA, but they were pure. R.I.P. guys. R.I.P. So the, the last the last image that you get of them is them holding and comforting and kissing each other tenderly and sweetly, knowing that they're about to lose themselves to this virus. And taking every last moment of comfort from each other that they can. It's actually Which, a really good acting spot on both of them, too. It was like, you genuinely feel it. Like, they're just like, she's crying, and like, just the way they're touching each other and holding each other, just like, you feel it. Yeah. It's good do. acting. It's some great it acting. Is. It is. Meanwhile, Anna finds her way into the theater where her father, a bunch more zombies, and the soon-to-be headmaster await. Though is he really soon-to-be headmaster anymore? After all, the school is taken over by zombies. Silly crazy Anderson. Silly crazy Anderson. Schools are for zombies. Now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... Anna and Arthur engage in a duet, uh, give them a show, as she makes her way through the zombies into the stage, um, with many, many near misses and near failures, um, the entire scene, you're just going... By the way, also worth noting, just for the, the, the shits and giggles of it, that she is running around, because she has had a large candy cane where the point like the the bottom of the candy cane is like a like severe point and she's it's a lawn ornament it's a lawn ornament a large one it's probably a good like two foot three foot lawn ornament and yeah, that's I mean, what she's been using as like a bat and a stabbing device this entire time so it's just a candy cane covered in blood yeah and she's killing zombies it's so fun it is. It's great. Oh, anyway. <laughs> I love it. But yeah, so she, she gets to the stage and frees her father, who is bound in tinsel. 
which is the only indication that Arthur might be a little more kinky than missionary. Yeah. Could have just been a Boy Scout. Could have just been a Boy Scout. Though That'd be more that, Yeah, it would be. <laughs> um, so, Tony, her dad, and Arthur, Crazy Anderson, fight, dooming both of them to uh, gruesome and zombified deaths, respectively. Uh, basically, Tony gets bitten, he manages to, or well, between him and Anna, they manage to knock Crazy Anderson into the flood of zombies, and he is completely taken apart. You see entrails. It's great. It's beautiful. It's gory. It's justice. Not BDSM. <laughs> And it's everything that that crazy evil man deserved. Good God, yes. Yes. Like, I'm pretty sure I applauded or I was like cheered. Like, I was so happy that he got it. God. Yes. It was a great moment. It is a great moment. It's one of the best, best moments in the film. Um, because the whole film has been leading to it. I love it. It, it, it needed to happen. It did. At this point, Nick reappears despite every indication that he was going to die and um, drags Anna away after stopping her from killing her own dad before he can turn. Um, because, you know, he, he knows that she doesn't want to have to live with that. And he hears her offer. Um, and so he drags her away. They get back into the parking lot. Um, and uh, there, Anna performs the final number, I will believe, as a detached, haunting, and beautiful duet between herself and her father. Um... As the number ends, and she and Nick prepare to fight to the death against a quite daunting number of zombos, though, we acknowledged because of how slow-moving they are, technically, if they weren't so, like, downtrodden and in the it's middle of... Distraught and, like, traumatized and, yeah, like... They would have been able to escape on foot. Yeah, but it's also entirely believable that they would not have been able to recognize that they could even escape at that point. Even though there were how... gaps in the fence, like between the zombies and the fences, because the zombies were like down the middle of the road. They could have yeah. easily run down the side and gotten around. I'm just yeah. saying, like, they could have made it. They like, could have made it. But it's also yeah. like understandable that these poor children just kind of looked at the sheer number of zombies and not much other details because let's face it, none of them have had good sleep. And let's face it, at this point, they have seen the entire army fail, their parents have failed, and as far as they are aware, they are the last humans living in that town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they have no idea if any of their friends survived, like, it's it's just the two of them. They don't have a great relationship to begin with. It's fraught with history and weirdness. They just don't don't really know what's going on. 
Um, and so, you know, they're, they're about ready to fight to the death. They don't expect to survive. And then suddenly, Steph comes screeching in with her car, running over a handful of zombies and yelling at them to get in triumphantly because she realizes that she's just saved their lives and she's running on pure adrenaline. The trio receives no true closure, has no real plan, but the mid-credits scene reveals that they did at least make it out of town. So we don't know where they went, if they were okay, if anybody else was alive in the world, was it just in Scotland? I mean, it was clearly just there, but I mean, we're, did the army make it elsewhere? Like Right, yeah, we, we have no idea. Anything. Nothing, no closure, no, no nothing. They don't, yeah. We don't know what direction they're going. We don't know what their plan is. It basically just ends with them in the car, like clearly distraught and not talking to each other. So there's like no plotting and planning. They're just kind of like GTFO and it's like. Yeah. Like it, it, it essentially, there's one or two lines in there where they say something to the effect of drive as far as we can. Um, and that's, that's the extent of their plan. They don't have the context, the energy, the, you know, emotional bandwidth to do any further planning than we're going as far as we can. But it's obvious that there are no, like, they haven't hit any evac roadblocks or anything like that. So... Prognosis is not great for our uh, beautiful heroines and hero. But it's a great movie. You should definitely watch. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's a bad ending. It's just, there's no closure. There's no closure. It's very open-ended. It's up to your imagination. Just imagine whatever ending for them you want. Yeah. I think you said there was talks of a sequel, but there's basically nothing on it now. Yeah, it, there there had been mentions of it. Like, when I Googled it, though, I couldn't even find those articles. Um, so I, I don't know if... I did watch quite a few interviews when this came out. Um, so it may be that all of the talks of sequels came in interviews and never made it to article form. I don't know. Um... Because I, I was, I was, you know, a little bit mildly maybe uh, obsessed when this film came out. <laughs> I think I made nine Facebook posts about it in the course of four days. Only slight obsession. It's fine. Slight, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> Dexter says hi by the way. Hi Dexter. How are you, baby boy? <laughs> the fun of having cats and trying to do work. You know. <laughs> cat interludes. The cat interludes here at real queers. Well, before so. we get into the technical, we should probably just go over a few quick quotes real quick cuz there were a few pretty cute little lines in there. And yep. There's some cute stuff. Like, for example, uh, there's a moment between Anna and John when they're talking about like the various reindeers because they can't. They're trying to name all the reindeer, like Dasher Dancer, all that. And basically, Anna's talking and goes, 
on Dasher, on Dancer, on the other ones. And John says, Firebolt? No, that's Harry Potter's broom. Anna says, oh, no, we can't hang out anymore. You're too sad. You've hit, like, peak sad. And then John says, they were a very popular book series. Mm-hmm. They were. <laughs> they were. It's, just, it's a fun little, like, Harry Potter reference amongst all the Shot of the Dead. And Christmas. Yes. It's, just, yeah. it's fun. It's fun. Fireball. No, that's Harry Potter's broom. <laughs> Why are you chewing my hand? Again, the fur boning cats and trying to do work. No chewing my hand. My hand was here first. <laughs> How rude. How rude, Willow. <laughs> How rude. She says, excuse you. <laughs> and then just one more cute little moment between Anna and John. Um... There's a moment where John says, you smell like a shoe. Anna's like, Christmas is coming, is fast becoming my least favorite C word, which, yeah. Um, John says, you wouldn't be saying that if you were dressed like a festive legend. And Anna's like, you're right. Dressed like that, you might look like a massive C word. Yes. It's I a cute little friendship wrong. moment. It is. It is. And I love that she's not actually willing to call him that, but the implication is very clear. It's very there. And he just kind of laughs it off, because that's the friendship that they have. It's beautiful. It's cute. It's cute. Yeah. Um, and then as they're about to go through the tree warehouse, um, Nick goes... We go through here, we might make it to the school before sundown. Plus, it'll be fun. And Steph responds, Yeah, certain death is so much fun. Um, and another moment with Nick. Uh, right after he flings the food at the asthmatic student, uh, she says, You are such a child. Uh, she being Anna, that is. Says, you are such a child. And Nick says, a sexy child? Wait, no. <laughs> and then she just answers with, goodbye, Nick. Understandably so. Oh, yeah. Like, it, the amount of bullshit that he does throughout the film is astounding. He has his redemptive moments and his, you know... Moments where you're like, okay, I understand why you are the way you are. Major daddy issues, army brat, I get it. And of but course, clearly by the end of it, like he, he does have redemption, and he's clearly traumatized and changed by the end of it. Mm-hmm. Trauma. Um, that's about it. Yeah. So, Ready to go full nerd? Full nerd. <laughs> um, as far as acting goes, like the only thing we'd really have to talk about is the choreography. I mean, we've mentioned a couple of the acting moments. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, it, there there are a couple of points that I want to highlight. Um, obviously, you know, we have like we mentioned before the great scene where Nick is kind of breaking down some of his layers and showing his vulnerability about having to kill his dad. 
was a great um, scene. Or the scene with is. uh that's oh god, I'm screwing up their names already. Lisa um with, Chris. Yeah, Lisa and Chris. Um, where they have their like final moments before they turn to zombies, like that little like scene with them together. We already mentioned it, of course. Mm-hmm. It, it's really good. It's really touching. Yeah, it's really well acted. Well, and there, there are some absolutely fantastic moments of depth during both Breakaway and Human Voice, um, and I love. I love the parallel between those two scenes because in both of those scenes, the kids are very much feeling at their wits end, but you see like, you know, the, it, it, they're in breakaway. They're feeling the worst that they've ever felt in their lives at that moment. And then in human voice, their entire world is crumbling and their worst is a whole lot worse. It's a whole new level. <laughs> yeah. New level. They skipped and some levels. <laughs> they skipped a few levels, yeah. And the fact that those young actors, um, who I think are all in their... Like, if I remember correctly, when the movie came out, almost all of them were roughly the age that they're supposed to be in the films. Um... But at most, I think the oldest was 21. So, young actors. Um, And the the fact that they were able to show the depth of distinction between those two levels of wit's end is just beautiful to me. It's, It's really well done. Um, and it's no wonder why the cast won for Best Ensemble. Yeah, yeah. And they they won and were nominated for Best Ensemble at almost every award show they went to. Impressive. It makes sense, too, because it was really well done for being relatively unknown and whatever budget it had. (laughs) <laughs> mystery budget mystery budget uh it, it, they did a really good job with it like i mean it, it was simple sets mm-hmm. it like most of it probably went into makeup and costume yeah well, like and, it, yeah and one thing that so in general high school settings are difficult to do because even adult actors who look young have a tendency to overact the dramatics of high schoolers. Which, let's be honest, high schoolers are overdramatic, you know, to a fault. Um, that's kind of what defines them as an age group, regardless of what generation they're from. Yeah. However, somehow... Most media representations of that take it to a few extra levels. And it's difficult to find a media representation of high schoolers and especially, you know, high school life that isn't super overdone. And I feel like we get that in this film. You have very realistic interactions in this. Even the, you know, um... 
the bit of a love triangle that exists between Nick, John, and Anna is, you know, you can tell that Nick and John have beef outside of that love triangle, um, and that they don't really hold the fact that they're both interested in Anna as part of their their issues with each other at all. Uh, which is, you know, not common in film. Um, and then you have the just, like, understated misfit trying to just make her way through the world in Steph's character. Um, she doesn't belong in this small town. She um, has ambitions well and beyond the small town and just the fact that she's in high school. Um, and then you've got the tender, sweet, over-eager romance of Lisa and Chris. And while, yeah, not most couples are like them, I certainly knew couples like them in high school. And as such, they never felt fake to me. Especially since every other character was, like, rolling their eyes in fond amusement at how over-the-top they were, rather than everyone just kind of being like, oh yeah, that's how you romance as a high schooler. Yeah. It works well. And on that same kind of note, in Hollywood Ending, you see a whole bunch of, you know, love-struck people. Um, there's a, a gay boy who's, you know, gazing at his best friend. There's a cafeteria uh, lady gazing at one of the teachers. You know, it shows a wide range of longing that you find in real high schools. And none of it feels overdone, overdramatic. More forced. Yeah. It's all very organic. Very Which impressive. leads us into the wonderful choreography. Because, I mean, really, so, in the entire musical, I think the best choreography belongs to, um, high school, or not high school, uh, Hollywood ending. Um, it's the most Broadway of the choreography. Very much um, so. The entire cafeteria. Not just, like, dancing, but, like, just moving around was choreographed. Yes. And it works perfectly. Like, the flow of the room is... It's Broadway. <laughs> it's Broadway. There's no <laughs> other way to describe it. It's 100% musical Broadway choreography, and it's great. It's it doesn't great. feel displaced. It feels, you know... It's a good song. Mm-hmm. It's great acting, the the camera and the shots, everything. It was it was great. Yeah, like it. That scene is beautiful. It's a masterpiece. I love it. Um, the next bit of choreography that really stands out to me is the super fun 
um, turning my life around where, for one thing, the, the choreography for that is mostly in the background because it's all fight choreography with the zombies. Yes, you have Anna and John dancing as they go through, you know, their walk, but honestly, the kind of dancing that they're doing is the kind of dancing that a high schooler sometimes just does as they go through listening to music that they really like. You yeah. know, it, um, there are bits of it that you're like, yeah, okay, that, that looks, you know, professional, but at the same time, these are professional dancers. I'm sure when they're goofing around, they still kind of look professional. Um, so I also wouldn't have been surprised if I had found out that they had just been told, all right, so you're going to stop at these marks, but dance however you want in the meantime. It feels, yeah, like it, it feels entirely organic. Um, but also smooth and fitting. And then just the impressiveness of the fight choreography going on behind this super upbeat musical number. And really oblivious children. Oh, yes. I mean, John I can forgive, because John is mostly, like, in country. Like, you see him on relatively abandoned paths, right? Anna, though... Oblivious child, how loud is your music, little madam? Like, you would have at least noticed something in your peripheral vision. Like, are yeah. like? And this is a small, sleepy town. It's not like you know she's going through the middle of Detroit or something. You know it. Yeah. Um, Whatever. Whatever. It's a, movie. it's a movie. It's a it's a comedy even. Um, you know, and the fact that that one scene is the only one that really like for the genre tickles my suspension of disbelief a little bit is pretty impressive. Again, the only thing I kept thinking during most of that besides how loud is her music was this is Shaun of the Dead. Just not believing or paying attention, because who the fuck would expect a fucking zombie apocalypse? Yeah. But by the way, they never really address what starts it or anything. No, no. There, there's no, no beginning context and no end context. No. It's, it's Just, a uh, slice it of happened, life. It is, and deal yeah. with it. Yep, pretty much. What? Which I actually kind of enjoy. If you look at it as a horror slice of life, no complaints. It, it, it's fun. It's yeah. a fun zombie musical. <laughs> yes. And then the um, What Side Are You On has some pretty fun choreography as well. Um, and again, I have only watched that scene uh, two or three times now. 
once with you and like one and a half times on YouTube. Um, Cause that was the one that wasn't in the anything yeah, but that, the just festival cut. Right, that one was cut from the theatrical. Um, and I I really like that scene. I think that. So you you don't have the context for the movie without that scene. Um, in the original cut, it just goes straight to them in each other's faces talking about, you know, this is when society collapses, blah, 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 and then you hear the army. There's none of that lead up. And so it was always this kind of weirdly discordant moment where you were like, okay, but how did we get there? Now how you know. did we get there? Now we know. Um, so it, it's weird to me that they cut that, but I absolutely love the scene, so if you have a chance to, um, you know, even if you're just looking it up on YouTube, like, give it a watch, it's worth the context, um, and in that scene, in that song, Arthur's voice is not quite as grating, because Paul Kay actually has a good voice, he's just singing as a character who's utterly despicable. Um... He does a good job at it. He does. Um, and then Tony has a surprisingly good voice. It's it's strong and beautiful and better than I expected it to be, to be honest. Pleasantly surprising. Yeah, very pleasantly surprising. Um, and Lisa has a small interjection, a uh, couple of bars in there. Um, which shows a little more depth to her than you really get in the rest of the movie. But the um, only song that she does, or she's like prominent, is like her Christmas song. Which, uh, by the way, we didn't mention her Christmas song. No, we didn't. So, okay. We, we kind of touched on it a little. Like he, he was, she was singing, and uh, Chris didn't show up. We mentioned that, but we yeah, didn't talk about the song itself. We're gonna get into that song during musicality because that song. I have a whole rant about that song. Okay, oh, well, so. I'm But yeah, it, it, so far as the rest of choreography goes, I mean, there's a lot of really great fight choreography. Um, like, that was one of my favorites. Like, I love not only seeing Nick as, like, how he is in, like, the zombie apocalypse itself, like, ignoring the character aspect of it. Like, his voice is beautiful. The choreography is, like, wonderful. It's like, he's running around knocking zombies' heads off and bashing oh, yeah. them. Oh, yeah. But it, it's in a way that... It's more focused on the story than the actual act that he's doing at the moment. Mm -hmm. it, 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 I love what they did with it. It was oh, very yeah. well done. And again, choreography of the whole thing of it was wonderful. Absolutely. Great, great, superb work there. Um, speaking of Soldier at War, there are a number of technical moments in that scene. Um, not just with the choreography, but also lighting and camera work. Um, there are a few push-pull effects, there are some transitions, some pans, 
um, and different angles that they take that are just... That scene is a masterpiece. Like, if I had to take one scene in the entire film and tell someone to judge the movie based on that scene technically, I would choose Soldier at War. Even though it's not my favorite scene in the movie, it has the most going for it technically. And you see that in the lighting and camera work, you see that in the fight choreography, the musicality, the makeup, you see just about everything in that scene beautifully done. Which, by the way, speaking of lighting and camera work, I love the lighting and the camera work when they were in the Christmas tree warehouse. Yes. Like, just the dark setting, but still being bright enough to see, using the trees and all the darkness around it to, like, add to the suspension and the thrill of the scene. Like, it's very well done without being, like, super creepy and going full horror. Like, Oh, yeah. Well, and, and two, you know, it... You see a lot of the warehouse through the lens of uh, Chris's phone. Because exactly he's like that. exactly like that. He's going through like this, you know, and like peeking around corners and looking down and zooming in. And you can see that his camera is brightening the field a little bit as well so that they can see a bit more clearly it's cleverly done it's clever that they had him do that um and i'm sure that chris is not the one who thought of going first with his camera because that's a little beyond his uh faculties but whoever had that idea was brilliant he was happy to do it because it meant that you know he could um it, you know he he's obsessed with filming at one point he says i'll film anything and it's true, he will. Like, his life is devoted to film. Um, and his girlfriend, and his grand. Which is very sweet. Um, but yeah, so like, so much, yeah, so much of the, of that scene, you see with basically this. That's about the framing of most of that scene's shots. And it adds to the suspense. It also kind of adds to the comedy at the same time. Um, and it's just a clever... It's a clever way around doing found footage while still kind of playing homage to that part of horror as well. They did a really good job with that. I love it. They did. They did. Um, and... Then, you know, it, it as they exit that, they're suddenly in light again, but they keep a very narrow focus until John gets bitten, and then suddenly it's a wide focus, and they realize what they're in the middle of. Again, just very, very clever use of simple camera techniques. Um, throughout. Yeah. And it's stuff you don't even notice, which right. is exactly the point. Exactly. Um, and there are some very classic but cleverly used um, transitions as well. Like, there are uh, a few different uh, wipe transitions that correspond with a panning camera 
And so you don't particularly notice it the first couple of times because it's just so smooth. Both scenes that are wiping are panning in the same direction as the wipe. Just beautifully done. Beautifully done. Yeah. To the director of cinematography. Just way to go, man. Way to go. Um, and he was nominated for a few awards as well. But once again, nothing major. Um, because this is such an unknown film. Okay, yeah. So, in terms of wardrobe, there's not much to speak about. They're all, you know, pretty standard dress so far as Scottish village people go. Changing or anything like that. Like, the only, like, real noticeable costume is, again, when she's, uh, when Lisa's singing her song. Yeah, well, and then there's the snowman zombie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so the the first zombie that Anna and John encounter um, is the it, it's it's the snowman and first like they're just talking in the graveyard and they see the snowman come in and fall flat on its face and Anna goes up to see if he needs help or anything um, and then immediately hits him with her bag because he's covered in blood when he lifts his head up. He's, you know, snarling, and uh, and then they end up running, um, and, you know, it, it's, it's obvious that he has, like, chewed through the face of his snowman head, um, and it's, it's not clear if he's the one who chewed through it, or if another zombie chewed through it trying to get to him, um, but the effect is the same. There's, you know, a fully exposed face, um, and it's, uh, it's a real fun time. Um, and then Anna gets the zombie to come up to the seesaw on the playground and goes like this. I'm assuming with the intent to like concuss it and like, knock it out. Like, yeah. Yeah, but the head goes shooting off and spewing blood. <laughs> absolutely great scene, absolutely great music, or er, music. Uh, Makeup effect, you know, it it's great. I love it. John's scream gives me giggles every single time. Uh, it's just, it's wonderful. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fun moment. If you're a horror nerd, it's a fun moment. It is. It is. Um, and pretty much every time they show us a zombie, it's well done. You don't have a ton of you know, rotting flesh or anything like that, because for one thing, all of these are fairly fresh zombies. This apocalypse has only been going on for a day, day and a half. Um, and so mostly it's fresh gore. There's still, you know, a lot of fresh, sticky, wet blood. Um, and the pallor of their skin has definitely changed. They've taken on kind of a waxy effect. Um... And I'll, uh, I'll insert here a side-by-side -side of 
John pre-turning and John post-turning, because um, it, it gives you a pretty good, you know, indication of just what changes in a zombie. Um, so I think he's the only major character that you see both before and after in a kind of close-up range. You see, I mean, yeah, you see glimpses of Lisa and, uh, and Chris, but it's just yeah. kind of like mostly on their hands and then just right. kind of shuffling around. We get like shots of them, but it's nothing like easy to see in like full daylight because it's a dark yeah. room. Mm -hmm. but. So, yeah, it, great, great effects there. There's not really much else to speak on when it comes to makeup and wardrobe. Um, which makes Pretty sense. For a movie, yeah. 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 But they did really well at what they attempted. Yeah. They're pretty good. Yeah. As far as anything else goes, like set design or sound design, I mean, we pretty much touched on a lot of it at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It, with set design, again, there, there's not really too much to get into there. Um, when it comes to musicality, uh, so... Yeah, with musicality, there is a bit of an odd mix of music in this. Like, some of it, like the fish rap, that feels a bit discordant, but most of it does blend pretty well with the setting and the voices involved. Yeah. So, uh, like, it, yeah, it is they... very, very music, as far as the musical goes. Yes, they have quite a few genres in there. Um, and... The fish rap is the only one that I really, truly dislike. Um, but... The song that Lisa sings about Santa. I have always, always found the Christmas classic Santa Baby to be a little unsettling, a little uncomfortable to me, um, even before I understood the sexual undertones to it. I just, it always kind of gave me the heebie-jeebies. Not one of my favorites. This song made me cringe in the theater the first time I listened to it. It's very cringy. There are no undertones. These are sexual overtones. And let's face it, these are technically high schoolers and they're being sexualized. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, and it, it, everyone in the audience, especially Crazy Anderson, um, are just kind of like, what is going, this is not okay. No, 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 no. Stop, stop, no, uh-uh. With the odd exception of Anna's dad, but he almost seems, like, so surprised by it that the only response he has is uncomfortable laughter, so I'm willing to excuse him. But, yeah, it it's really it, well done. She, she sounds great. The little bits of dancing that she does with it are great. Whoever wrote that song needs to be punched in the throat. Why did you put that into the world? Why? 
Why? I don't understand. Why would you do this? Why? <laughs> I don't want it. <sighs> so, safe to say, that is my second least favorite song in the musical. However, Lisa is not my least favorite singer in the musical. I would say that that probably goes to Arthur, even though Paul Kay is doing all of his scenes as a truly despicable character and therefore does them wonderfully. Um, so it's not really a knock against him as a singer or an actor, it's just a knock against the character which we have firmly established is going to happen for this entire podcast. My favorite voice in the bunch is Sarah Swire, who plays Steph. Um, I really wasn't expecting much from her. Uh, you know, I mean, your, your interaction, or not your interaction, your introduction to her kind of shows her as a passionate but weak character. Um, and so I really didn't expect much. And then she opens her mouth, and out comes this power and depth that is absolutely moving, and I need more of that woman's voice. Okay? I absolutely need more of that woman's voice. Um, because she's great. Absolutely really great. superb. Um, now, I do acknowledge that Ella, who plays Anna, has, you know, a, a poppier voice. It's much more suited to a leading role for a comedy. Um, so I get why she has the leading role over, um, you know, someone like Sarah with that voice. It makes sense. Uh, I'm just saying... Can someone please cast Sarah in a role with more songs? That's all I ask. I'm not asking a whole lot. Not asking a whole lot. You know, just once this quarantine is over, give her some beefier roles with a whole bunch of songs. That's all I want. I'm sure that's all she wants to. Probably. <laughs> and I mean, for that matter, like. I would take more of Malcolm and Ben and Ella, too. They're all fantastic. Um, you know, and I, I'm, I'm already in the middle of watching a series that uh, Lisa, played by Marley, is in. Um, I don't know if she's going to sing in this, because it's Alex Ryder. I don't remember her character having any moments where she could possibly sing in the books, but all the same. Um, I'm enjoying them, uh, and, and Chris is a sweetheart, he does not even have a picture on IMDb, so I'm not holding out any hope that he's going to be in anything else, but I would love it if he was, because he shows, yeah, he shows some surprising moments of depth in there, like when he asks the zombie if it can understand him. It's a sweet moment that shows there's a little more to Chris than you would anticipate. But yeah, do you have yet 
having watched it once. Uh, do you have a first impression favorite? Oh, I, I like Anna and I like all of them, but honestly, I like Mick. Like, I do. Like, just seeing him, that dichotomy between, like, the, like, the kid who's trying to deal with the toxic environment he has at home, mm -hmm. not knowing how to behave socially because of it. And like, just, I, I like the depth of the character and he has an amazing voice. Mm -hmm. He's a seemingly wonderful dancer. Oh, and yeah. like, as far as like an actor, he seems incredibly well-rounded mm -hmm. and like it, it shows. Like I know he's playing the asshole, but he does it well. He and does. by the end of it, you do really like you see his he's changed, and you kind of feel for him. Like all three of them at that point, because I mean, good God! But <laughs> still, like him, like stopping Anna from you know killing her dad, and like his little vulnerable moments, like. As much as you want to hate him, like, I like the character. Yeah, he's a great character. And he has, again, a surprisingly strong, beautiful voice that has way more depth than you expect upon his character's introduction. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Ben and Sarah are really the surprising standouts of the film, um, especially so far as musicality goes. Especially considering they're morally just more just supporting than anything for the most part. Oh yeah, like they're not titular. They're not even closely tied to the titular character. They're very much supporting, mm -hmm. but they steal the scenes where they sing. They do. Go them. Go them. So you want to start us off with some trivia? The first, the film closes with a dedication to Ryan McHenry, McHenry, who sadly passed away in 2015 and wrote and directed the short film Zombie Musical in 2011, from which this feature film was adapted. Mm-hmm. Um, during the scene where Lisa sings her song <clears throat> at the school's Christmas concert, the man seen, uh, very, very briefly playing the keyboard is Tommy Riley, who co-wrote the music for the film. In this movie, again, we mentioned this earlier, does have three versions. The USA cut, which is 93 minutes long. The UK international cut, which is 98 minutes long. And the festival cut, which is the one we did watch, which is 108 minutes. So it's a difference from 93 to 98 to 108. Yeah, so a total of 25 minutes cut? No, 15 minutes cut. 15 minutes cut. Um, many in the cast, including its stars, saw the film for the first time at the film's premiere at Fantastic Fest in Austin, Texas. Texas? Yeah. 
Not too far from me. Hmm. Only about five hours. Only? Only. Hey, we're both in Texas, therefore it's only. Uh, in the original cut of the film, there was a song called Which Side Are You On? which was performed by school principal Savage and Tony, which is Anna's dad. However, the song was cut from all theatrical releases and previous home releases on DVD due to pacing and to focus on the main group of kids. The song was reinstated in the extended version Blu-ray released by Second Sight Films. Xander also really wishes it had been included in the theatrical release because it's quite good. Yes, and... As we acknowledged earlier, it doesn't make sense to either of us that it would be pulled uh, due to pacing, since having watched both versions, I can say the movie makes more sense with it there. But that aside, um, the scene in the playground uh, where they, it, after the bowling alley, um, they're making snow angels, and that scene was actually filmed on location in Port Glasgow in Scotland in the middle of winter, using entirely fake snow, because it was a surprisingly warm winter. And American actor Tyler Collins, who starred in director John McPhail's uh, previous film, Where Do We Go From Here, which is a 2015 movie, uh, has a brief, uncredited, non-speaking role as a zombie during the scene when the undead attack the bowling alley. And the school that Anna and her uh, friends attend was filmed at the recently demolished, uh, recently being 2019, St. Stephen's High School in Inverclyde, Scotland. So the film you see in the movie, you can never find. It no longer exists. Uh, the shots of them walking through the shopping center are town square, whatever it really is, uh, were filmed at the abandoned Freeport shopping village just outside Livingston, Scotland. And the hula girl ornament in Anna's dad's car at the beginning of the film can actually be seen in another Scottish film called Beats, where the same car was used. Hmm. Uh, the cleaner in the bowling alley is called, oh god, you gave me a name. Mrs. Hinsman. Uh, a definite nod to Bill Hinsman, who played the graveyard zombie that kills every kills the character Johnny in the original Night of the Living Dead. One of the posts seen in the evac selfie bit was from Ash Campbell, a mashup of Ash Williams slash Bruce Campbell from the Evil Dead franchise. That's fine. Uh, the social media... Uh, Evac selfie hashtag scene uh, features the film's art director, Martin Kelly, posing in front of a caged zombie. And uh, finally, Paul Kay, who plays the soon-to-be headmaster Savage, is killed by the zombies near the end of the film, um, and Kay is most famous for his portrayal of Thoros of Mir on Game of Thrones, a character who is also killed by a zombie. Albeit a zombie bear. That's about it, though. Do you have yeah. anything else you want to add? No. This, is your, this is your time to shine. It Let is. It, out. it is. Be nerdy. Oh. I, I feel like I have nerded pretty hard so far. 
Um, I do love this movie. I think that everyone who enjoys horror and musicals should definitely watch this. And even if you're not a huge horror buff, if you enjoy the zombie, you know, genre, um, because let's face it, at this point, zombie has become its own genre. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's not as dark and gory as, say, Walking Dead. Uh, it has a lot more humor to it. Again, it's it's a high school Shaun of the Dead with a musical background. Like, there's no other way to describe this movie. <laughs> there's not. I absolutely love it. And that's how I described it from watching the trailer and is how I convinced my dad and Stan that they should go watch it. So it, it just, it's... It's a wonderful film. It deserves all the love, all the attention, um, and especially these young actors. Like they have put in phenomenal jobs. I think the most jobs that any of them have is like eleven or so credits on IMDb. So they definitely need the attention. They definitely need the love, um, and uh, yeah. I think Sarah is really the only one who has much going on during the pandemic, but she's uploading shorts um, where she creates a character based on prompts given to her by audiences, and that's kind of how she's getting through the pandemic. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, definitely go watch her, um, but really just support this movie, support these actors. It's great. We need more of this heart and caliber out in the world right now. Well, that's it then. As far as it goes, you can find Jaded Phoenix Studios on Facebook, Patreon, Instagram, Vocal, and YouTube at Jaded Phoenix Studios. You can find it on tw- us on Twitter at Jaded Phoenix Stew. I'm never going to get over that. That's just too funny. <laughs> and then... And now we're on Spotify! Yeah! Queers with a Z. Queers with a Z, yeah. I'm so surprised it wasn't taken. Like, So am I. And for anyone concerned, Real Queers with an S is also not taken. We just like the whimsy of the Z. We're um, weird. Yeah. Go with it. <laughs> we have uh, back uploaded all of our previous podcasts as well. Uh, whichever um, side you want. Xander did. Xander did. <laughs> I say we. I did. Kind. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can swear. <laughs> and. Yeah, so we're we're very excited about that. Uh, figuring out that pricing schemes have changed and we can now upload um, and things without any monthly costs uh, are the reason why we went ahead and picked out an actual. Um, you and know, let's title. say I was just like, so how much is it? And you looked, and then you realized it was free. Insert clip here if we want to, because your face was just priceless. <laughs> I'll have to go back and look at it, because I have no idea what I looked like. 
It was a great moment. It was just fun. Your face just lit up and like this computer screen was just like there. And it was, it was, it was, it was a fun moment. As <laughs> the realization that we could get on Spotify and cross your face and you're just like. It has to happen. It was, it was, a, it was a good moment. We, we got to yes. get somewhere. <laughs> Um, anyway, you can also find Xander on Fiverr or Twitch or Instagram at Zambi Quinn or Vocal at Xander Quinn. And you can find Xander me. Xander Dash Quinn. Xander Dash Quinn, sorry. And then you can also find me on Twitch at Firefly325 or on Twitter at Firefly3255. Not that I am really ever on either. I pretty much just kind of chill in Xander's Twitch, and that's about all I ever do. <laughs> Yay! Uh, but yeah, it definitely check us out, engage, um, let us know what you think, um, especially in the comments section. See from us. Yeah, we uh, we have quite an extensive list of movies, but you know what? I mean, we're exceptionally flexible. We've come up with, what, five series in the past three weeks? Um, <laughs> and we have a list of over 400 movies at this point. Two or 300 movies on our list at this point? Yeah. I, I think we're almost at 400, to be honest. But, um, but yeah, like I mean... A little bit, you guys. Yeah. But, you know, that said... If you have a suggestion for one thing, either it's something we've not seen and we would love to watch something new, or it's probably already on our list and can tell us, hey, this is what we should do next. So give or us those recommendations. Want to ask to join us. If there's a movie you love and you yes. want to nerd about, go ahead and message us and be like, yes, I want to nerd out with you guys and go full rant and all that. Come have fun with us. Absolutely. We would love to have guests on this show. Um, we do have a few podcasts planned coming up that will have guests appearing. Um, it, it's We're just a matter of scheduling. Guest spots for our sing-along musicals, if you want to. Yes. We have also discussed uh, Rocky Horror as a full costume sing-along. Yes, so, no, that is that is the other thing about our sing-alongs. We discussed all full sing-along uh, productions being in costume. Now, they don't have to be full cosplay, um, so you don't have to pick a character and be that character. They just have to be in theme. What's up? Have fun with us. Like, we want to have fun with some of this stuff, not just be yes. full, like, technical nerds on some of this stuff. We want to have fun and have you guys have fun with us. Absolutely. We may be going more organized and professional, um, as evidenced by, you know, what you're seeing and where you're listening to us. Um, but we still fuck up in improv. <laughs> yes, we do. So definitely, you know, join us. We're, we're very happy to welcome people. Um, and you know what? The, it Jaded Phoenix also has a Discord channel, which I probably should add to our regular plugs. Join us That's there. Good. Um, you know, talk to us there. Uh, I check it several times a day. Um, you know, strike up a conversation. We're approachable. We want to stay approachable. The best way to make that happen is for you to talk to us. So, um, also you know, a great place to leave us feedback too, by the way. Exactly. 
So if there's anything you want to see more of, if there's anything you want to see less of, if there's anything that you want to see just in general, let us know. And if there's something that you want to do with us, reach out. If we can schedule something together, we're happy to do it. Uh, we, were, but, we don't really have a set schedule as far as like what we're doing. We kind of plan the ones we're going to do next. And if something comes up, we we push things back. Like there is, yeah. we're, we're just having fun with this. This is fun for us. Exactly. <laughs> It's a lot of work, but it's fun. You know, it's it's a definite labor of love, and we're sure or, we're happy to share in that. Labor. <laughs> yeah, see, we're great at this. <laughs> yeah, um, but anyway, that said, if you want to, uh, you know, join a, a couple of absolute pros, you're welcome to it. But either way, we'd love for you to uh, follow us or subscribe, depending on what platform you are listening slash uh watching on um but we're we're happy you're here we have fun here and we hope that you have fun with us sometime soon have a good one we are real queers